from spooky legends past, down through generations, to haunted locations that hold a ghostly past. Come one, come all, come blinders and seekers, hear the creepy side of Eva. Hello and welcome to the creepy side of Nipa. I am Dan Kozlowski. If you are new to the creepy side of Nipa, or maybe you just didn't get a chance to, please like, subscribe, or follow the creepy side of Nipa on whichever podcast platform that you're listening to us on. Also, follow WNEP's Creepy Side of Nipa on Facebook. That is the best way to get the latest show information. Joining us tonight is Bill Bryan and Tanya Gilroy from Empty Casket Paranormal. They have been on the show about two years ago talking about some of their favorite investigations. Since then, they have a new project, the Talking Board Museum, which is a traveling Ouija board museum. Bill and Tanya, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us. I know we had you guys on the show, oh, probably about two or three years ago now, but you guys have a different project you have been working on since. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, We've spent the last uh, about a year now getting this uh, Talking Board Museum up and running. So what exactly is the Talking Board Museum? Uh, So for the time being, it is a traveling museum of Ouija boards. Uh, It gives the the history of how the Ouija boards came to be, you know, both the the spiritualism era that created it and then the history of the board itself. uh, And then goes through showcasing our collection of, of Ouija boards, which is very rapidly approaching 60 boards. I know I've seen it the beginning of February at the Scranton Culture Center, and I was kind of amazed at the amount of Ouija boards there are. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't even have all my boards there. <laughs> we did have half. Well, we had majority. We had of about them. forty of them there at, at that show. Okay. Yeah, that was like I said. I didn't know they had that many boards. Oh, and there's so many more that I don't have yet. <laughs> so when you say traveling museum, where exactly do you guys set up mostly? Uh, so the Scranton Cultural Center was our first show. Um, we, we are right here in Northeastern PA. I, I live in Tunkanic. I live in Plymouth. <laughs> and, uh, so we're, we're booking up, um, some locations around Pennsylvania that we're going to be going to. Uh, the next one that we have scheduled is, uh, I believe it's March 2nd. We'll be in Milton, Pennsylvania at a Moss. Uh, but then we have some other places in Northeast PA that we're, we're in talks with bringing the museum. We'll be in Gettysburg a couple times. Um, and a few places in New York that we're still trying to nail down dates. It's very interesting. What sort of got you guys started with the whole Ouija board, talking board museum idea? Uh, well, it, it's funny. I used to be very against Ouija boards. I uh, never wanted to have one in the house, never wanted to play with one. But it was after Tanya and I started dating that, you know, we went to Salem, went to the Witchboard Museum that they have up there. We had been getting more into the ghost hunting and all the paranormal stuff. And I bought my first Ouija board there, which very quickly turned into an obsession. I think by the end of that weekend, I had four. <laughs> yeah, gathered them a lot. <laughs> that's two years ago? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the obsession grew very quickly. And my, my fear of it, you know, it went away very quickly. And I started studying the boards and their history and, and became very okay with using them. And over the last year, as we do different paranormal events, we're always Ouija boards always get brought up. Most people don't want to touch them. They they have a 
you know, a, a thought process around the Ouija boards that just is not based in reality. It's based off of, you know, fear and, and a lot of different stories that came out of the satanic panic of the 80s and the 90s. And so we were always trying to re-educate people based on the research that we've done. And then that coupled with our very rapidly growing collection, doing a museum just seemed like the next logical step. As I know a lot of people, even the guests that were on the show in the past, have been saying stay, basically stay away from Ouija boards. Yeah, we, we hear that all the time. And there's really no reason to stay away from them. They're no different than any other ghost hunting tool that we use. But they have a bad stigma about them due to Hollywood and movies and stories on the Internet that are just that, stories. Mm -hmm. So how did the whole Ouija board start? So the, the earliest Ouija board that, that is known, uh, that is documented, is from uh, 1886. Uh, there were in uh, middle Ohio. It was kind of a, a craze. We don't know who, who exactly started it, but they started making something pretty similar to what we have today as the Ouija board. It was, it was a board with the letters and numbers on it. It had a good evening, good night, mm -hmm. yes, no. Uh, and then they had a, a uh, sort of planchette. It was a little different than the planchette we use today, but uh, that ended up popping up in the, the New York Tribune as well as uh, local newspapers around Ohio. And Charles Kennard, who was a, you know, he owned Kennard Novelty Company in Baltimore, Maryland. He read about it, decided to come up with his own design. You know, we were in the heart of the spiritual era and he patented it. His design in 1890 uh, came up with the name uh, Ouija, or Ouija, which legend has it came, you know, was given to him by the Ouija board itself. Uh, and that's interesting they, in itself. Yeah, they, uh, it was um, Charles Kennard, uh, Elijah Bond and uh, an actress whose name is escaping me. Uh, they were using the Ouija board and they asked for the board to name itself and they spelt out Ouija. And when they asked what it meant, uh, the board said that it means good luck. Hmm. I never knew that before yet. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So the, the board's been uh named the Ouija board since 1890. They've been, it's gone through a couple different owners, but they've been manufactured since then. And the, and while the design, the main design of the Ouija board has changed a little bit over time, it, it's been a very slow change. Um, you still have the sun and the moon from the very beginning. Uh, some of the artwork has changed a little bit, but it's mostly been the same. I know looking at your muse museum when I was there, you could tell it mostly is the same, but like a lot of, it looks like almost people have been putting logos on them over time and different graphics throughout the board. Yep. There was a big resurgence in the 1940s uh, with World War II. A lot of people started getting a lot more spiritual because they, they were afraid that their loved ones were being killed overseas and they had no way of knowing what was going on. So a lot of them turned to spiritual type things and, Ouija board was one of those things. So there was a big resurgence and a lot more companies started making them and they would use imagery you know, from the far East, uh, you know, India, China, Japan, um, or uh, the Middle East. You, you get some Arabian themed ones, some Egyptian themed ones. And it looked like you had a little bit of everything there at the museum. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on it. I um, saw a little bit of like Egyptian, uh, 
graphics all the way up to, I think I even saw an Ozzy Osbourne one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a hard <laughs> one to get a hold of. Was, uh, is that a rare one? That's, that one's pretty rare. The only way to get that one, uh, during one of his tours, you had to buy the VIP ticket to get it. Oh, and interesting. every once in a while, they pop up for sale on eBay. and I was lucky enough to grab one. So why do you think people are so afraid of the Ouija board? Well, you know, in the, the 80s and 90s, you had the satanic panic where pretty much anything that was paranormal or metaphysical was looked on as being evil. And it, it really didn't ch- start to change until late 90s, early 2000s when the Ghost Hunters TV show came out and people started getting more interested in the paranormal. And they've been able to you know, squash a lot of the misconceptions about anything having to do with the paranormal. Uh, however, for some reason, the Ouija board just hasn't been able to shake that stigma yet. Um, maybe because it's such a, a simple thing and easy for people to get their hands on. Maybe because it's marketed by twice manufacturers, so it's not necessarily taken as seriously. And that's something that I always found weird. You could pick up a Ouija board back even when like in Toys Restaurant business. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, right now, it's it's Hasbro who owns the rights to to the Ouija board. Now, you know, I had mentioned Charles Kennard had started it. Well, one of the reasons that he decided to start making them was because he, he made board games. So he already had the manufacturing facilities to produce the Ouija board. It was just a matter of, of change, you know, making a new design for it. So it was easy for him to do that. And, and that's kind of what started to tie the Ouija board with, with toys is just the fact that he had the right manufacturing for it. Right. Yeah. I never really thought about it, but it basically is like a board game. Pretty much. Especially yeah. with the manufacturing part of it. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. But it's, I mean, really and truly, it's not a game. It's it's a tool to be used if you're into the metaphysical or the paranormal. And, but that's all it is, is, is a tool. It, it in and of itself is not anything evil or, or bad. It's like anything else. It can be used for that. But it really comes down to the person using it, what their intention is, what they, what they want to get out of it. Because that's usually what you get out of it is what you want out of it. Now, I know I had a few guests on in the past who mentioned by using a Ouija board, you're trying to contact the spirit, but you have no idea if you're contacting a good spirit or a bad spirit. But that could be said for any any type of ghost hunting. We don't know who we're talking to. You never have 100% proof. True. Yep. The, again, like Gabriel said, it, it's really all in your intentions and how you're going in on it. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we we tell people, not just for the Ouija board, but just ghost hunting in general, is ghosts can lie just as easily as we can. So you got to take everything you hear with a grain of salt. But I mean, a, a lot of the Ouija board stories, they all start the same way. You have a bunch of kids who aren't taking it seriously, and they ask if there's anything out there that wants to talk to them. Well. You know, that just opens the door for anything mm-hmm. to come through. Yeah. If you kind of bound that a little bit and ask specifically for a specific spirit or the spirits of the location that you're at, that kind of tightens that door up a little bit and, and you know, kind of limits what can come through to talk to you. And all the stories sort of start the same at a sleepover or something along those lines. 
basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So how about you guys? Have you guys had any experiences with the Ouija boards from your museum? Um, so, I mean, we definitely used Ouija boards. Um, we don't always use it with our ghost hunting, uh, mainly because there's a lot of uh, locations that don't want people using Ouija boards. So we, we respect that their wishes on that. But we do sure. use them from we have had, you know, things move. I, I'll be honest, the first time that I ever used one, I did not expect it to actually work. And then when it actually started started moving and I knew I wasn't doing doing it, I uh, I was kind of freaked out a little bit. Yeah, for me, um, I actually just grew up with them. I've never had a fear. It's actually something that was very common in my house to have one. Uh, I was encouraged to use it. So I've never had bad experiences or anything come from it. Um, but I also knew to be responsible so I wasn't using it as a game um so when obviously when I met Bill and he was telling me how his fears are I'm like there's really nothing to be afraid of it's really you know no different than anything else that we're we're doing I never understood why that stigma was there yeah one of the things that we we tell people is you know that they're they're worried that when they use a Ouija board they're they're opening up a door of communication and they don't know what's going to come, come through, which is a true statement. But if you go to a graveyard to talk to a deceased loved one, you're also opening up a door of communication. The only difference is they can't speak back at that point. The Ouija board allows them to talk back to you. And, but so does using a voice recorder to capture EVPs or a REM pod that they can go and touch or dowsing rods or pendulums. It's all the same. Right. It's all, it's just the way that people interpret it, that a Ouija board, like you said, between Hollywood and all that stuff that happened in the past. Absolutely. And when I was looking at your display at the Cultured Center, one caught my eye that said it was actually haunted and you had it locked up. <laughs> so, so that was locked up more so to protect it okay. than people from it. Because we, we knew we were going to have you know, at least a thousand people come through that day because that's how many come, people come through for for that event that one of the Valley Ghost Tours was putting on. But um, if if I said that it was a haunted board, people were going to want to touch it. And if too many people started touching it, the oils on your skin could start actually deteriorating the boards. Sure, just so like was, any antique or collectible out there. Exactly. But the, the story behind that board was it, it was uh, given to me by a guy in upstate New York. Uh, he found out that I was collecting them and wanted to get rid of this one. Well, he didn't want to get rid of it. His, his fiance insisted that he gets rid of it. And the story behind it was that him and his friends had used it. And every time they used it, you know, weird things started happening. They feel the board shaking. Things would fall off the shelves around them, smell out things that, that nobody should know a couple times the planchette went flying off the board and the last time it happened or the last time it was used started falling off the shelves of a bookshelf near them and then the whole bookshelf knocked knocked over and they all got freaked out so they put the ouija board away and didn't touch it for three years until he picked it up to send it to me now i don't know how true any of that story is but it's an interesting story nonetheless sure just like any story really with the paranormal you can never really prove how true or how false it is 
But you know there's something out there. There's some kind of story. There's some kind of fact behind it backing those stories up. Oh, absolutely. And and I don't know if you if you noticed uh, while you were at the museum, but the Ouija board on either side of the haunted one, we had a Jesus board on one side and Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the other. I did notice that, yep. Just, just in case, you know, we want to cover our bases. <laughs> and I noticed how your museum started from the beginning. I believe you had a black mirror there? Yes. Uh, so we start the museum with a history of the spiritualism movement. So that includes... Uh, the Fox Sisters and table tipping and scrying, which was the the Black Mirror, um, and then we want to expand that with the uh, spirit trumpets and automatic writing and, and a few more things. But uh, that's all on our to do list. Yeah, it looks like you sort of started right there from the beginning and then you worked your way up to basically today. Yep. Yeah, we we really wanted to kind of showcase the history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, there's a few other like the the uh, museum in Salem. They treat it more like an art museum where they give you information on the individual boards, but it's more to showcase the boards, which is fine. Mm -hmm. We want it to be a little bit different and get more into the history. Plus we love the history. I mean, it's, it's, it's history that's not well known, but it's very significant. I mean, the stuff dates back, you know, hundreds of years, if not more, but you know, things like it, our presidents have used it, you know, famous people have been linked to it and it's just a beautiful thing that I, I personally think should be known to people. And it kind of takes away that fear. If, if that makes more sense, like it takes away that fear that this kind of been around for a long time. It's part of, you know, part of us in a way. Sure. Mm -hmm. People are always more afraid of the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. So if they know a little bit more of the background or how it started or the history of it, they might not be as afraid anymore. And a lot of people don't realize how far it goes back. I mean, I people think that this this is like something brand new, like it happened 20 years ago or, you know, back in like, no, the 70s. They don't realize that this is an ongoing thing, that this has been around for a long time and there's such rich history towards it. I know yeah. I myself knew it was around for a while, but I had no idea it was around as long as it was. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ouija board, as far as we can trace it from a documentation standpoint, goes back to 1886. You know, scrying goes back as far as the Middle Ages or more. I mean, Nostradamus was a scryer. You have uh, Edward Kelly, who was a, a medieval sorcerer. He was a yeah. scryer. Um, and then there's reports of scrying going back, you know, into the, the B.C. era. Um, table tipping is, is got, it got really popular in the during the spiritualism era, like the Victorian era and that, but you can trace that back hundreds of years. There's such a rich history and, and it goes back to the very roots of humanity. Though the oldest civilizations on earth all had some version of this stuff. And most recently, well, I would say within the last like five to 10 years, I noticed a lot more Ouija board themed items. Yep. And, Everything and from carpets to tables to anything like that. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, our very last exhibit is is just that. It's the legacy of the Ouija board and how it has transcended from being a tool to talk to the to the spirit world to becoming more of an aesthetic. You know, we have uh, a pillow on display, a purse on display. We showcase the movies. We have some jewelry there. Uh, we have one of my guitars that has a Ouija board painted on it. Uh, and in fact, you know, as we 
talk to you now, we're sitting at my coffee table, which is a Ouija board. <laughs> and it's funny, though, because we have people walk around with Ouija board shirts on, where they're like, we will not touch a Ouija board. So you have <laughs> you have that <laughs> that weird hypocritical right. mind. Like, I'll wear it, and <laughs> it's for the aesthetic reasons, but I won't use it. And I mean, one. like, basically, it could be used as a Ouija board, a shirt, can it? Sure. sure. Anything Why like not? that, I would think, like a carpet, table, anything. Doesn't have to be a board. Yeah, you can take a piece of paper, write out one, and and use that. Sure. I, you know, keep joking that I'm going to get a Ouija board tattooed on my back so that the spirits can give me a massage. <laughs> <laughs> well, hope it's nothing worse than a massage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anyone was interested in seeing your museum or one of your upcoming stops, you have a website on Facebook. Uh, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, uh, Empty Casket Paranormal. Uh, so we keep uh, posted there all of our upcoming shows, and as we get more shows, we'll we'll be adding those up there. Um, we also we do have a website. It's a ectalkingboardmuseum.com, and the EC stands for Empty Casket. Uh, on on the site, uh, we give the, the the full history of the Ouija board and, and more detail than we are able to give in the traveling museum. Uh, we also showcase all of our boards up up on there. We have a section for myth and superstition, which I'm currently working on. So that should be uh, up and live on the site, hopefully in the next week or two. Uh, and then we keep all of our, our shows up there as well. And we just started a forum on there. So if anybody has Ouija board stories or paranormal stories, they're welcome to go on there, create an account and and share them with the rest of us. Now, as we're talking about the museum here, one question that keeps popping into my mind, you call it the Talking Board Museum. Is that just to get around a copyright with a Ouija board, or is that is there something different between a talking board or a Ouija board? So the, a talking board or a spirit board, those are more of the generic terms for it, okay. whereas Ouija is a specific brand. And since we didn't want to tie ourselves to just the brand, we decided to go with the more generic term. Okay, that makes perfect sense. I was just wondering when you were mentioning Ouija board, talking board, I didn't know if there was a difference between them. Nope, same thing. It's like the difference between a, a Kleenex and a facial tissue. Okay. Do you guys have anything else to add before we leave this evening? Oh, I think we're good. Yeah, we okay. uh, we be at a moss on, on March 2nd. Uh, we'll be there all day from 12 until when they close, and um, – <clears throat> It's not going to cost anything for anyone to come see the museum. We'll be there all day. Uh, but uh, if you want, at the end of the night, when a mosque closes, we'll be st staying around to do a ghost hunting 101 and do a little ghost hunting there. Uh, that, I believe, they're charging $15 for. I think so. And also, if there's anybody that has boards that they don't want anymore, you can always hit us up. We'll be willing to take them off your hands. <laughs> yep, you could email us a email us at emptycasketparanormal at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook. And one more time before you leave, what was the website again for anyone at home listening? Uh, it's ectalkingboardmuseum.com. Okay. As, as an empty casket talking board museum. Very good. And I'm sure you guys are still doing the ghost investigating also, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that we're just kind of mixing them all together now. <laughs> Getting bigger and better. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining me this evening. Thank Thanks you. for having us. You're welcome. Have a great night. You, you too. too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Creepy Side of NEPA. 
If you have a paranormal story or experience you would like to share in an upcoming episode, or maybe you'll just like to give us a little feedback and let us know what you think of our show. We love hearing from our listeners. Email us at ghost at WNEP.com. Until next time, enjoy the creepy side of Nipa. This has been the creepy side of Nipa. If you have a spooky story that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania, send it to ghost at WNEP.com for your chance to share it on an upcoming episode. We're dying to hear from you. Ha, ha, ha.